Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Different. God has called us to live in such a way that honors Him. We're not supposed to embrace the principles of the world, but live from the standards set by God's Word. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Praise the Lord. We welcome all of you. You're, we're glad you're here. Turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. We're glad you're here today. We welcome all of you uh, to this Sunday morning. It's our last message here on the uh, series that we've been doing this month called Different. And how many believe God has called us to be different? And when you look in Scripture, you'll find throughout the Bible that God has called us to be different. And so much of the world today and so much society and our culture uh, really uh, is different than what the Scripture tells us. In fact, even as we came in this morning, as we're worshiping God and giving God praise and lifting our hands this morning, uh, we see that done in concerts. We see that done in ball games. But thank God we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He wins every time. His name is Jesus. So we're just excited about that. Uh, we've been working or we've been talking about the series here in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll turn there in just a moment. Peter uh, was speaking to a group of people that were under great persecution. Uh, because they were believers in Christ, uh, the people began to come against them. Uh, because of their lives, and the apostle Peter writes to them, and he addresses them and says that they are aliens. I know that's not politically correct, okay? But he's saying to them is that they are different. Their lives stood out from the culture that they were living in. And Peter essentially was saying to them that many times we feel like we're supposed to fit into everything, but in Christianity, you're not going to fit into everything. In fact, Peter begins to say, you're, you're a, a person passing through. That's why he says you're an alien or a so, sojourner. Or in other words, you're just passing through. You're different than this world. And so let's begin to read the scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And it says this, therefore, with mind that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Then he said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, before we knew Christ, before we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we were ignorant of the things of God. But just as he has called you, it's holy. So be holy in all that you do. For it is written, God says, be holy because I am holy. And since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Peter says, live out your time as foreigners, again, here in reverent fear. Another version said, live out your time as temporary residents. So again, Peter is saying, we're living in this world, but this world is not your home. We're passing through. You have a higher calling. Turn to someone and say, you have a higher calling. And that's the issue today. We have much higher calling 
than what this world proposes. And the problem with so many, our biggest obstacle that we fight today or that we have to overcome is that that desire to want to follow what everybody else is doing. We see it all over social media. We see it all over in our culture today. We long to fit in. Instead of being leaders, we're followers. And God has called you to be a leader, not a follower. And that's why it always gets me to say we're following this person. God's called you to be a leader, not a follower. God called you to stand out, not to fit in. And when you begin to read, read the scripture, you'll find that even Peter begins in the scripture. He said, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, basically, you have been transformed. Even Jesus in scripture said, broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find. In other words, society and the culture loves to get on that road that everybody's flowing in, but Jesus said narrow is the road that goes to eternal life, and few there be that find it. So God's calling us this morning to be an influencer, not, not to be influenced. We're supposed to be influencing people. And how do we do that? Well, our lives are to be changed. Our lives are to be different. Our lives are to be lives of integrity. So I want to pray this morning. Let's pray before we get into this message. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, today we pray. And we ask God that you would uh, today uh, just uh, impart the things of God into the hearts and lives of people. That God, today you will personalize this message in the, the hearts of every single person in this place. God, I don't have the power, but your spirit does. And God, we would open our hearts in every area today, even areas that may displease you, that God, you would transform us, you would change us, help us to be different, help us to be set apart, help us to live a life that is honorable to you with a, a life of integrity. I pray today, God, that we would give you our 100% undivided attention. And God, that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And the people said, so turn to someone and say, you look different. Come on, you really do. You look different. You do. We're supposed to look different. Now, I want to say to you this morning, who are here, if you're perfect, this message is not for you. You get a bye today. You really do. In fact, if you just want to sneak out, go ahead. Because if you're perfect, this message does not apply to you at all. You can just walk out and say, hey, you folks, you bunch of losers, I'm going. If that's you, you go ahead and walk out. But for the rest of us that know we're not perfect, and God's still working on us, right? That's why the Scripture says that God has called us to be holy. And what that word holy is, a lot of people get afraid of that word. It means to be set apart means to be different, and that's what the Scripture is saying throughout the book of Peter. He is saying don't conform uh, to the uh, uh, desires of this world, but, but we're to live according to God's Word, a life of integrity. We're not to compromise God's Word. We're not to compromise our morals and our values. In fact, our values are going to be different than other people. Our, our time is going to be spent differently. Our resources are are going to be invested differently than most people. We're going to live a life of accountability to God. That's what it is to be uh, different. 
And the scripture said, that, but just as he, talking about God, who has called you, just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Say holy. Now, you notice I didn't say happy. A lot of people think that it says be happy just as I am happy. And let me just tell you something about the theology of happiness. Because a lot of people in our society today says, well, I'm supposed to live happy. And that is the goal. That is not the highest goal in your life. I'm not saying you're not supposed to have happiness. I'm not supposed, you're not supposed to be joyous. But the goal, the highest calling in life is not to be happy. And yet in our society, that's what it teaches, that the highest calling in your life is to be happy. And no matter what happens in your life, you're supposed to be happy. And here's the problem with happiness. Happiness is based on what's happening. And how many know most of the time things that are happening make us unhappy? So you're going to live a very unhappy life because everything in your life is not going to be happening that is very happy. Does that make sense to you? I just made that up, okay? <laughs> there's something greater. There's something greater than happiness, and that is the joy that comes out of a relationship with Christ. And really, that's what I want to bring out because God's happiness is not the, your highest calling. God's holiness is the highest calling for your life. He wants you to be set apart. And a lot of people say, well, if I'm holy, I'm not going to be happy. Let me tell you, you're going to have a joy and a happiness you never had before. Because the, what the world says is happiness is really not. And so this is what the scripture is saying. You're to be set apart. And many people think, well, you know, I have this. I, I need to be happy. And the problem with the theology of happiness, it empowers you to do what I call personal justification. When your goal is just happiness, what happens is you justify any kind of behavior you want to, uh, any kind of way you want to behave. So we think, well, if God wants me to be happy, then I can do whatever I want as long as it makes me happy. And I would say to you, even as the pastor, some of you that are sitting here are probably making some unwise decisions and unwise choices based on happiness. Because it's not based on the word of God. It's like someone who says, well, I'm not happy in my marriage, so I can just leave my marriage. Well, it's based on just self-justification. You know, I'm just not happy. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm no longer happy. I'm no longer happy, so, you know, in order to get happy, I need to buy this thing and buy that thing, and we get ourselves involved in debt and we'll borrow and steal to get what we want because it's all based on happiness. I'm dating someone, but I know I shouldn't be uh, uh, in, in this relationship with them. And, and I know that lovemaking is reserved for marriage, but it's based on happiness. So I can do whatever I want to do. Someone say amen. We're engaged in our hearts. Yeah, but that doesn't count. Are you hearing me? See, because it's all based on happiness. So it empowers you to personally justify whatever you want to do based on your happiness. When we believe above all else that God wants us to be happy, then whenever we run into trouble, 
Whenever we run into problems in our lives, then suddenly we begin to, to say, well, uh, this must not be right because I'm not happy. You hear what I'm saying? And this is why the scripture is very clear. We're supposed to be holy, not just happy. We need to understand that God exists not to serve us, but to serve him. A lot of people think God's like a genie. Every, every prayer that we should pray, God needs to answer. Can I tell you something? Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer to protect you. Thank God he didn't answer some of the prayers I had. Are you hearing me? Thank God God didn't answer some of the prayers you had, or you would have been with who knows who. You thought, man, it was the perfect person, and now you found out later he was not the perfect person. She was not. Thank God God protected you. Thank God God didn't give you that job. He gave you a better job. Are you hearing me? Some of those things today, God does it to protect us. And see, the scripture is saying throughout the, the Bible, if God has called us uh, to be different, to be set apart, uh, to be, we have a different calling. And let, me, let me show you an illustration because sometimes we don't realize that God wants us to live a higher calling. God wants us to be different, and you're supposed to uh, uh, grow and mature into what Christ wants you to do. So why don't we show that, uh, that photo or that, that, that cartoon? See that? See, the caterpillar says, you've changed. And that butterfly said, we're supposed to. See, some of you are living, crawling like a caterpillar when you're supposed to flying, be flying like a butterfly. And, and so you think because you're a faster caterpillar, you're good. But you're supposed to be. God has wings for you. Did you hear me? God has wings for you. God wants you to transform. Well, somebody say Amen. You can take it down. And let me just kind of explain this personally in my own family. I, I You know, I, when my wife and I got married, we had a goal that we were going to raise our family different than we were raised. And uh, we were raised uh, in, in families that weren't terrible, but there were some things and values in our families that just weren't good. They weren't healthy. And we grew up in an environment that we said when we raise our children, we're not going to give them that kind of environment. We're not going to teach them those kinds of things. And I, I remember we made that commitment as we begin to serve God that we were going to impart the things of God into our children, and we were going to show them that God was first. As long as you lived in our house, you were going to go to church. We're going to, we're going to live that by example. And, and just like, you know, a lot of you say, well, why did you force them to go to church? You know, I never forced my kids to go to church. I just led them by example. And I don't know if I ever had to ever fight any of them to, to go to church. I just led by example. I taught them the value of who God was. And I told them it's important that you have God in your life. It's important if you want to raise different kids, you need to live a different life. You need to grow. You need to show them an example. You can't point the way. You got to lead the way. It's amazing to me how many times I'm preaching good. I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but that's okay. Um, I I'm here this morning to tell you if we want to raise different kids, uh, then we need to live a different life, and we need to show them what that example looks like. This is why here in 1 Peter 1 verse 14, he said, so you must live 
as God's obedient children, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. How many have ever talked to someone and, and, you know, they were going to church, but then they're kind of slipping a little bit? You know, man, I slipped, man, I, I fell. I fell in sin. How many have ever heard people say that? I fell back in my old ways. Man, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but I just kind of slipped back. Because how many know it's very subtle to slip back into trouble and you slip back into sin, but you never slip into righteousness, right? You never slip into holiness. Am I right? Man, I was trying to sin, and I, all of a sudden, I just fell right into holiness. I just fell right into righteousness. Man, I didn't even want to do uh, 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 right. No, I'm just doing right. I just slipped right into right doing. You don't slip into that, right? Why is that? Why don't we slip into doing right? Because there is an enemy out there that's trying to grab a hold of your soul. In John chapter 10, the Bible said the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You know who said those words? Jesus. He, Jesus said the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So Jesus comes to give us true life. He's trying to show us how to live righteously. He's trying to show us this morning that there's a way that we can live above, that there's a higher calling. It's higher than just your personal happiness. It's higher than just your personal justification. And that's why the enemy will try to come in and ensnare us and try to trip us up. And he's very strategic in how he gets us this morning. He sets up things this morning to get us to fall back into old habits, to get us to fall back into old things. He's very, the enemy, man, he's slick. He's sly. He knows how to trick you. Man, the enemy knows how to get you back into your old ways. Do you know that the devil doesn't come and say, hey, I need you to get into devil worship? He doesn't come up to you like that. The devil doesn't say, I need you to sacrifice a few chickens here and some blood right here in the garage. He doesn't do that. What he does, he's very subtle. He sets up things so that you can slip back into your old ways. He brings people, the wrong people around you. Next thing you know, you're getting a, a text from somebody you haven't heard from for a while. And all of a sudden, you're getting leered in into certain places and moving you from where you were at to a place where you shouldn't be. I, I, it's real over here, but you guys aren't real down here. I, I feel the realness here. And then I start moving here. You guys aren't. You guys are looking at me like too holy. Come on. Am I right? Am I preaching the truth here? And so what happens, see, I believe that we can grow and develop when, we, when we're in the right environment. That God places us in, a, in areas, in a foundation so that we can grow spiritually and we can thrive in that place. That we can grow and thrive where God places us. But it's very subtle how the enemy will come in and try to move us from where we're at and move us from the place that we're developing to somewhere else. So it's just as important, listen to me, it's just as important that who you are, that you understand who you are, that you understand who you are in Christ and who your identity is. Last week I talked about, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about what your identity is. 
And it's not just determined by who you are, but it's equally important or impacted by where you are. My growth and my development is not just who I am, but it's equally impacted by where I am. And so many times the enemy is subtle to move me from where I am because I'm growing and I'm thriving. This is why we're very tempted many times. Ah, church is not important. The things of God are not important. All those things, I'm okay. And the enemy tries to move us and shift us from where we're at. But you don't realize it's just as important to know who you are and it's equally impacted by where you're at. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. The Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. If you begin to read the scripture, he took five days to create the world. He took five days to create the, this place. And then on the sixth day, he finally created Adam and Eve. But what I want you to notice is that he spent the first five days preparing the place before he created the people. You also notice that he did not create the birds, then the sky. He created the sky and then the birds. He created the water, then the fish. He didn't create animals, then the land. He didn't create the land, then create, he created the land, then he created the animals because he knew in order for creation to thrive, in order for it to grow, he had to make sure to drop them and position them in the right place. So when God prepares to change me and develop me and transform my life, he makes sure that he puts me in the right environment. That's why some of you today, God dropped you in Praise Chapel Paramount because he wanted you to thrive in the right place. You're not here by accident. It's not a coincidence. Can I just tell you something? It's too coincidental to be a coincidence that you're here today. God placed you here. See, I, I've been preaching here for 30 years. Prior to that, years ago, when I was a long time ago, when I was in high school, I walked into a praise chapel in Maywood, California. It was a small little church. And it was, it was you know, it, was, it looked like a chapel called Praise Chapel. I walked in there. I was 16 years old in high school, and I was looking for something. I was searching. I knew hanging out with my friends and doing all of that was, was just an empty place. I remember going to parties, and I remember coming home thinking, is that it? Just a party, just a friend, just hanging out? I remember thinking, laying in my bed thinking, is this it? There's got to be more to this. Remember talking to God, God, show me. Is there more to life than just a party and just hanging out with friends, going out Saturday, Friday nights, doing what everybody else is doing? There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to life than this. And who would know that one day I went to the park to play basketball and there was somebody there that began to tell me about Jesus. And I realized at that point, that's who I've been looking for this whole time. That's who I've been looking for. I've been lost, but today I've been found, hallelujah, by the grace of God. See, because entrances into new seasons 
are preceded by exits from old ones. Let me just say this. If you, you, let me just say it this way. You are able to walk in to new seasons. Your ability to walk into new seasons is determined by how much you're willing to walk out of old seasons. See, if you want to walk in a new season in life, it's going to be determined how you're going to be willing to leave the old season. As a pastor, I'm constantly trying to get people to walk into a new season in your life, but you keep walking out the back door. And see, God wants you to walk into a new place, a new experience. God wanting you to experience a new life. Are you hearing me? But we keep walking out the back door. And God knows, let me tell you, when he places you in the right place, he knows the ingredients. He knows everything that you need in order to thrive and to grow. And the enemy knows that as well. This is why the enemy will do everything he can to pull you out. That's why the enemy is so subtle to lure you out of that environment because he knows the more you thrive, the more you grow, the more transformed your life is going to be. And he uses things to try to get you out. When the enemy cannot get us out, he sends in serpents into the garden to get you out. Do you remember when Adam and Eve, they were in the perfect environment? Here's a lot of people think, but if I'm in the perfect environment, I'm never going to battle anything. Can I tell you something? Adam and Eve were in the perfect environment. It was perfect. I mean, perfect. It was just him and her. Maybe that was the problem. No, that wasn't the problem. It was him and her. Oh, that's a different sermon, okay, but get into marriage now. Anyway, it was just him and her. Why did I even say that? I was trying to get into the right place here. So the Bible says that as they were there, see, the enemy sends in serpents to try to lure you out. As they were there, the Bible said the serpent began to call them from that tree. And the Bible says that, that he began to question them. They said, he said, why don't you eat some of this fruit? They go, well, the, uh, God told us if we eat the fruit, we're going to die. And the enemy said, did God really say that? See, God will always, or the enemy will always get you to question God. Did God really say that? Is that what the Bible really says? Oh, come on. It doesn't really mean that. I mean, we're in 2019. I mean, we're headed to 2020. We don't need to do all of that. How many of you have ever heard people say that? That's how the enemy, that, that started, that's old. That's how the enemy did from way back. When I hear people say that, I kind of laugh. I go, you know, the devil said that years ago, centuries ago, actually. He is always questioning God. Always, did God really say that? And little by little, he began to lure them in, and we know that they ate the fruit, and everything changed from that moment on. See, I want to say to you today, if we're going to be different, it's going to take some integrity. It's going to take you and I doing what we say we're going to do. Let me give you the definition of integrity. Integrity means when your behavior matches your beliefs. If we're going to be different, we're going to have to live out what we say has to line up with what we do. Let me say that again. What we say has to line up with what we do. Your behavior has to match your beliefs. I hear people say this all the time. I love God. I don't doubt that you do love God. 
But it's going to take more than just loving God. It's going to take a commitment to God. It's going to take you to live out your life according to what God. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So basically today, a byproduct of your love for God is obedience. And so a lot of times this morning, we could say a lot of things, but does our life line up with it? Integrity is what you do when no one is looking. Reputation is who people think you are. Integrity is who you really are. See, we can have this reputation. Ever seen people's reputation on their Instagram? They build up their whole thing and, and their Facebook. And then you meet them and go, man, you're nothing like this. Boy, you're, you look really flashy here, but I've met you on real life, man. God, you suck, man. Forget you. I don't even want to be around you. Am I, am I right? You ever met people like that? Instagram looks good, but, man, I meet you. You're terrible. Nothing like that because our reputation is who people think we are. But when you're in the dark, it's who you really are. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. In other words, this morning, what destroys people is they're living a double life. And we're seeing that throughout our society today. We see that in politics. We see that in corporations and CEOs. Uh, basically, the tragedy is this. People are no longer living a life of integrity. And so people are more shocked by the fact that you keep integrity than the lack of integrity. I've said this before, how many of you have ever been given more change? I know we use a lot of debit cards, but just, just like you, let's just say you had cash. Sometimes you do, you use it. They gave you more cash than you deserved. Or they, or I'll just say this, they undercharged you at the restaurant. They didn't charge you for everything. And instead of walking out and saying, praise God, God bless me, you go back and you tell that waitress, hold on, you didn't charge me for the rest of this. Are you hearing me? You didn't charge me for the rest of this. I'll tell you a true story. And this is, I won't tell you which brother. I got, I got six brothers, so I won't tell you which brother it was. But he was real prideful when he told me. He was real proud of himself. He said, yeah, me and my girlfriend, we go out to, back then it was Bob's Big Boy. I think there's still one actually there, right? Yeah, so he said, this was, this was in the early days. He said, we went to Bob's Big Boy. And I said, oh, that, that's cool. He goes, yeah. So I, we ordered this big dinner. And he was so proud of it. He ordered this big dinner. And then we ate. We ate the dinner. They came and brought the bill. And then my girlfriend said, hey, I want to pay for the dessert. Can you bill me separately? And so they came and they gave him a different bill for the dessert. And he goes, guess what? The only bill we paid was the one for the dessert. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? There's no integrity in that. You hear what I'm saying? Of course, today you can't do any of those things. But back then, he was able to pull it off. See, I want to be able to live a life of integrity. Let me read you a scripture. I like, I like this story. I want this to be my life. I pray that, that you'll want it to be your life. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 2 through 4, this is Samuel who's been their leader. He's been their prophet of the people. The people have been wanting a king, and so finally he installs the king for them. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 12, now you have a king as your leader, he says. As for me, I'm old and gray, 
And my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day, and here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bride to make shut my eyes? If I've done any of these things, I will make it right. And then they said, you have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. So Samuel is saying, I want you to know right now in front of everybody, if I've cheated anyone, if I've done anything wrong, tell me right now. Let it be known. He called all the people together. He said, if I haven't lived a life of integrity, call it out. My kids are right here. I've been your leader since I was young. He said, if I've cheated anyone, if I've done anybody wrong, if I've oppressed anyone, he said, let it be known, say it right now. And, and what a testimony that at the end of his life, he could stand there and say, I live the life of integrity. My beliefs match my behavior. He's saying, if there's anyone in this community right now, go ahead and tell it. Go ahead and tell me. If, if I haven't lived a life of integrity, go ahead and say, he goes, my kids are right here. Go ahead. If I've wronged any of you, he said, if I've done anything wrong, go ahead. Take a shot. He's letting them take a free shot. How many of you would be willing to say that in front of your family, in front of your friends? If I've done anything wrong, if I haven't done what's right, go ahead and take a free shot. How many guns would go off if that happened? I'm just saying to you this morning. Go ahead, take a free shot. Go ahead. I give you permission. If I've done anything wrong to anyone, go ahead. He's telling them that. And I want you to know this morning, this is what, I, this is my goal in life. That you may say, you know, Pastor, your, your jokes were corny. I didn't like the way you dressed. I didn't like all these things. But, but I, at the end of the day, you may not like a lot of, but I pray this morning, you won't say, man, but you, you, you didn't live a life of integrity either. I pray this morning, at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, at least I know that, man, your, your belief match your behavior. How many want that to be your goal this morning? And then I, I, lo I love this verse of Scripture that really captures a life of integrity, of being different. And it's in Psalm chapter 51. This is King David. And really, this is a lot of our worship song come out of the book of Psalm. It's really, the book of Psalms is really worship and prayer. If you want to know how to pray, if you want to know how to worship, just read the book of Psalms. It's really a, a book written by King David because he was a worshiper. He was one that prayed. God really anointed him. But I love what he says here in Psalm chapter 51, verse number one. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? God, who's going to be in your presence? And look at what he says, he whose, walk, he, he, he whose walk is blameless and he who does what is righteous, in other words, integrity, who speaks the truth from his heart, in other words, integrity, has no slander in his tongue, integrity, who does his neighbor no wrong, casts no slur on his fellow man. He's not talking about people, he's not slandering people, man of integrity 
who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord. In other words, he's not a part of sin. He's not following the crowd, but he fears God. Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Have you ever made a promise and it's hard to keep it? But you do it because your integrity, your word is your bond. Who lends money without usury, without high interest, and who does not accept a bride against the innocent. That's integrity. He who does these things, what, will never be shaken. If you want to stand firm, if you want to grow this morning, you need to live a life of integrity. If you want to be different than what the world is telling you, then what people say you need to be, you need to live a life of integrity. God called us today to live differently. Let me just say one other, couple other more things here. If you live a life of integrity this morning, you're going to find today that it's going to be a built-in GPS. It's going to be your guiding system. Look at Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them. You know what to do. You don't have to worry about it. You know the right thing to do because it guides your life. You're going to have constant peace in your life. When you, when you do what's right, you don't have to have a long memory. Are you hearing me? You ever met people that are always lying? They have to remember what they told that guy and then that guy over there. And Man, you got your story mixed up. When you have integrity, it's always the same story. You can sleep with peace at night. When you have integrity this morning, you're not worried about, man, what if they catch me? What if my wife catches me doing this or doing that? What if my boss catches, finds out that I stole this and stole that? See, when you don't have integrity, you're always worried. But when you have integrity, man, you don't have to worry about anything because you're doing the right thing. When you have integrity, you're not worried, oh, man, I paid the bill on time. God, I'm so worried about it. You're not worried about that. Oh, man, I helped that guy out. You're not worried about that. Why? Because you're, you're a person that lives with integrity. Your word is your bond. When you live a life of integrity, people will trust you, people will honor you, and people will be influenced by you. Proverbs 20, verse 7, good people who live honest lives will be a blessing to their children. Want to bless your children? Be, live an honest life. Proverbs 11, 11, the influence of good people makes a city great. Man, your influence will go throughout your entire city. People will be influenced by who you are. I'm going to read this last story. I've read it before, but I want to read it to you because I believe this morning our integrity is worth something. Are you hearing me? How much is your integrity worth? Because sometimes we'll trade it away for the cheapest things. I'll read you this story before I read the main story, okay? This man came up to this woman and said, would you sleep with me for $1 million? She said, I sure will. He said, how about for $10? She said, what kind of woman do you think I am? He said, well, we already established that. Now we're just bargaining about the price, see? What is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth? You know, you lie on your resume. Your integrity is worth only that payment that you're getting, that extra increase. What is your integrity worth? You know, a couple of staplers, a couple of reams of paper you take home. That's all it's worth. 
man, you're selling out cheap. You know, you're, you're, you're hiding things, all these different things. What is your integrity worth? Let me read you this last story. <clears throat> I've read it before, but I think it really says and gives us the picture. There was a master carpenter who worked for the same builder for nearly 40 years. He finally announced his retirement, and the builder, the builder told him how much he appreciated him, and he gave the carpenter a $5,000 bonus, and then he asked him if he would build just one more house for him. The man that was retiring thought, wow, just $5,000 bonus for my retirement? Man, that's not very much. But he said, all right, I'll build you this one last house. The builder knew that this carpenter worked really, really hard, but the carpenter became bitter. He was disappointed at the small bonus, but he agreed to build the house. The carpenter had prided himself on his uncompromising commitment to quality, but now his resentment caused him to cut corners, ignore details, accept shoddy workmanship from other workers. He even bought cheaper material and pocketed the difference. When the carpenter finished the work, he called the builder, and the builder come in, came in and inspected it. Then afterward, the builder said, because of your retirement, this house belongs to you. The carpenter was ashamed that he had misjudged the owner and betrayed his own values. He was remorseful that the house he would live in the rest of his life would made so carelessly. What a shock, what a shame. If he had only known he was building his own house, he would have did it so differently. Now he had to live in a home he had built, he had not built too well. See, let me just say this to you. Our character is the house we live in. And it's built piece by piece by our daily choices. Deceit, irresponsibility, disrespect are just like a shoddy workmanship. Whenever we put in less than our best and ignore our potential for excellence, we create a future full of creaky floors, leaky roofs, and crumbling foundation. Think of yourself today as a carpenter. Think about the house that you're building each and every day. Live graciously. Live with um, integrity. Don't exaggerate who you really are. Live according to God's word. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.